Hello and welcome back to Real Seekers. I'm your host, Dale, the Real Seeker. And today I have a special treat for you guys. So uh, I have a special guest who, who reached out to me to come on the show um, uh, about his new book, Dr. Lenny Peters. Hey, Lenny. Hello, how are you, Dale? Very well, thanks for being here. So, so yeah, we're here to, to interview Lenny. As I said, he's got a new book. We're gonna be kind of going over his background, who he is, um, how he engaged in missionary work and, and went through various struggles. Um, as well as getting his perspective on Hinduism, which is, is something new for the audience. I haven't really done comparative religion shows except for Islam. Uh, so I think it'll be good to hear about the compare and contrast between Christianity and Hinduism. Um, but yeah, bef before we say get into any of that, uh, let me just turn it over straight to you there, Lenny. And you want to just sort of introduce the audience as to who you are and, and what you're up to today? Great. So I, I was born and raised in southern India. Uh, on the west coast, a state called Kerala. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian by, by, by birth. Um, we are less than 5% Christians in India. So um, I come from a very strong Christian background. My mother is a devout uh, Christian. So I was raised that way. We come from a very poor family um, uh, with no uh, running water or electricity. Um, um, but we were raised uh, in, in a strong faith, and I continued with that. I'm, I'm driven by my faith. Um, I was able to go to pre-med and leave my village uh, at age 14 and um, graduated straight to medical school from 10th grade and um, finished medical school very early in India. And I had a, a desire to go to London and, and study more. Uh, which I did, arrived in London and, and have two more degrees after MD from there, then came to the United States um, and uh, through Pittsburgh um, and then ended uh, in North Carolina for the last 35 years. I started uh, my own practice. It's now the largest independent provider of healthcare in the area. Uh, we, we see about 1,000 patients through our doors each day. I've been blessed with uh, many talents. I also started uh, two commercial banks. Um, one of them are in four states, um, also um, the largest uh, real estate developer in the area. Um, but beyond all of that, I also have my charitable foundation, the Lenny Peters Foundation, that helps people around the world, their orphan children, and, as well as cancer patients. So my, I wanted to write my book uh, because of my uh, experience in uh, four continents working and, and uh, living um, and also doing uh, missionary work in Africa um, and uh, express uh, my ideas to bring people together. Um, and so I wrote my book, Barefoot to Benefactor. That's uh, coming, um, being released uh, September 14th. Uh, it's available for pre-order on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So that's my story. Um, I have uh, uh, four children. They're all um, highly educated and two daughters work with me. And so we are positioned ourselves for the next 30 years uh, doing God's work. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Awesome. And you mentioned, um, so about 5% population in India is, is Christian. Um, is what do you know what the makeup of is that predominantly Catholic? Uh, are there Protestants there? Are there Eastern Orthodox? You know, what sort of makeup? Um, so I can uh, go back to this is one of the reasons I wrote the book. I wanted to write about the history of Christianity in India, and that's not very um, well described. Um, Saint Thomas, disciple of Christ, the doubting Thomas, he was the disciple of the East. So he came through Khyber Pass through India and ended um, and, and uh, ended in uh, in South India and started the church called Mar Thomites. Mar in Aramaic language is saint. So we are uh, followers of Saint Thomas, like Baptist or Methodist. We are Mar Thomites. So that started 20 years after um, Jesus passed. So that's our heritage. Um, through over the centuries, we remained a small minority because we already had Hinduism in India. 
original uh, homegrown religion. As well as later on, Hindu, Buddhism started. Lord Buddha is an Indian man. So with those two competing religions, um, Christianity did not flourish uh, as it did in the West. Uh, even Buddhism didn't flourish in India. It went towards East and Taiwan and, um, and, and uh, Indo uh, uh, the countries in uh, Far East adopted that much better, Thailand um, and, and so on. So that was the sort of the history and uh, 400 years ago when the Europeans started coming there, um, there was another um, increase in number of Christians. So we were not, um, the common thinking is that we were converted Christians in the last few hundred years, but we have been original Christians for, um, for, for a long time. So the makeup is uh, a mixture of uh, um, predominantly more uh, Catholics, um, I would say 50%. And the other 50% is different types of uh, Protestant and um, Orthodox Christians. Sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I do think it's fascinating. Most most people think that yeah, Christianity is just a recent thing, invention in the in the East. But no, there was Christians centuries ago uh, going into the Far East, and um, it's an interesting interesting history that doesn't really get told. It's mostly seen as a Western type thing. So um, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for for sharing that. So the next thing I want to do is kind of delve into your past, specifically growing up as a Christian minority in in India. Do you want to maybe take us uh, through your faith journey? What was that like? Um, what were maybe some of the struggles that you had to face there? Yeah, so um, being a minority in India is a difficult situation. It is a democracy, so 70% are Hindus, and they, are, they always elect, most of the time, elect um, Hindus uh, in, in position. And being as almost a socialist country, major industries are owned by government, the railway, the uh, airlines, and so on. So they are then, then the people who run these companies are appointed by elected officials, which are then Hindus, and they in, uh, appoint Hindus. So this is a, uh, so uh, as a minority to get somewhere uh, in life is, is somewhat difficult. So that has been my challenge. Um, however, um, I did not have, I did not have to face uh, any type of you know, overt persecution. Um, I, I was able to get national scholarship like anyone else and go to med school. But uh, behind the scenes, we are always um, have to struggle to, to get the same opportunities uh, the Hindus have. As you know, now we have a Hindu uh, government uh, uh, there. It is uh, uh, it's all, all uh, supported by the, the Hindu faith. Um, the, we also have Muslims, about 15%. Um, then um, we have other smaller religions in Buddhism and Jainism and Sikh religion and so on. So growing up, um, we did not feel um, that much um, religious uh, differences um, uh, in, uh, in workplace or others. Uh, you know, we, we sort of accepted it. It's very accepting community. Um, so my best friend was a Muslim person. So we didn't think that was any, that much different, although we knew our chances are less and less if you really want to succeed. So that's part of the reason I wanted to leave and go to um, another uh, country because my chances would be much better. Um, I can take that back to, to where the Hindu, the, um, the Christian religion started and how um, it evolved. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That, that would be great. So um, there comes the religion uh, about a... Um, God or Jesus who died on a cross. That's the message 
um, uh, from Christianity uh, years ago. So the evidence that St. Thomas started the church is that our prayers are in Aramaic language that Jesus spoke. And it's not spoken in the Middle East anymore. So we have true, um, and there were churches that are built over and over again on the footstep of St. Thomas. Um, so the names of people, our older generations ago, you know, as you know, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not live when Jesus lived. They were English names. That Bible was written later. But George was Jores, John was Johannan, Peter was Patros, Matthew was Matai, David was Davud. So those were the old Aramaic names, and we have them in our families. And I changed my name. I was um, four generations ago, we were Patros, Peter. But with the British arriving, we asked for protection. And they said, if you change your name to British names, we can somehow give that protection. So we change all Patroses in my family tree, change to Peters. So that's why I have that name. But there are others, John, Johannan. Johannans didn't change. I have a cousin who lives in Texas. He's still a Johannan. There is another niece who lives here in North Carolina. He's still a Patros. So we have a strong background for Christian faith. So when Christianity came there, we had already had Hinduism well-grounded and country was ruled by various numerous kingdoms and kings and, and rulers. So there were the class system, the royalty, and then the second class is the writers, the thinkers, the uh, poets, the doctors, engineers. Then comes the priests and the soldiers, and the last are the workers. So the class system was well established with the, with the Hindu uh, faith. Hindu faith is also based on four mythological gods. There are no living gods. So those gods were very powerful gods. They were one person can um, beat an army of a million single-handedly. One god can God can carry the largest river from Ganges, from Himalayas, and then carry on the head and bring it to India. So all those faiths are based on strong, powerful gods who can protect and support the common working man. But that was the, the, the situation then. And then here comes a religion, speak about a God who died on a cross, or God's son who died on a cross. Um, and the common man, the workers said, how can this religion help me? I want rain, I want uh, you know, uh, favorable weather that I can pray to God that will bring and I can have more uh, produce. So they were not going to change. Of course, the second level, the soldiers and the priests, their allegiance is to the king. So they were not going to change. The king cannot change the religion because his power comes from his God. They are not, uh, they are, uh, not living gods, but somehow he has made everybody believe that he was the chosen by the Hindu gods. So he was not going to change. So that leaves with the second group of people. We call them the intellectuals. They're the writers, the poets, the doctors, the engineers. They started thinking and they realized that the highest form of bravery is to give oneself up for someone else. So if we are shooting someone because we are afraid that that person will hurt us, but if we have no fear and say, I'll give me myself for the sins of everyone else, that is the ultimate form of bravery and strength. That's what Jesus brought. And that's what Jesus represented. So they started changing. They understood. So they started changing many centuries ago. However, the kingdoms and the kings wanted their help. Without their intellectual property, the king cannot 
rule. So they made a deal to send Christians in the um, mountains, pockets of Christians, and said, you could go live there, but I will contact you, bring information, but I don't want this to be an open forum where you became Christians. So the deal was made, pockets of Christianity grew in, uh, in various parts of uh, India, in the mountains. And that was the start. Um, these are not well written. Um, and so when um, Vasco de Gama, the first uh, Portuguese sailor or first uh, European sailor that came around Cape of Good Hope, Africa and landed in my hometown at the tip of India, he said to the king, and we were a very welcoming community. Um, we were not um, fighters or warmongers. There was silk, there was uh, spices, the, uh, and the Europeans wanted to see these things. And that's why Indies was the place everyone wanted to go. Even Columbus was set up to go to Indies, but he took a right turn instead of taking a left turn at the tip of Africa. And he ended up in Americas and he realized these were Indians that he was looking for, but it wasn't true. Vasco de Gama, on the other hand, took a left turn and went, went to the tip of India. And when he arrived, he was welcomed to the kingdom. And the king said that, uh, you know, we want to welcome everyone and we are peaceful people. And uh, Gama said, uh, you know, I am a Christian. I come from the, um, from the influence of my queen uh, and, and, and Pope. So that is, uh, King said, that's good. We will uh, guide you. We have Christians uh, in, up in the mountains, pockets of them. We will let you see and meet them. And uh, Gama goes to see them and tells the, the um, elder man of the Christian faith that uh, I am a Christian. I come from the power of my uh, queen and, and pope. And the Christian elder said, we are Christians too, but who is Pope? So that's a very interesting. Uh, they didn't know any of these things happened in Europe, the change of uh, Christian religion. So I speak about this in, in different um, uh, churches and so on. Um, so that's and how the, the European influence came and a lot of people changed their names. In one section, one part of my family, they all have um, Spanish names. Um, they are uh, Lopez. Another segment of my family, they all have Pereiras, they're Portuguese names. So it is a interesting evolution of Christianity, um, but the Christians started more focusing on education and um, nuns and priests started school. So we became prominent in uh, education area. Um, even some of the best um, non-Christian politicians are educated in our schools. You know, I, I find that, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'll just say quickly that I find that really, really interesting that in India, it shows that we have to be diverse and flexible and meet the demands of the people we're, we're witnessing too. So, you know, for, because I hear a lot from skeptics that, oh, you know, Christianity was just about from the bottom up. Uh, but you're saying, no, that they, they actually, in India, they started with the intellectuals. And that was the best way to infiltrate the culture and start changing hearts and stuff like that. So I, I found that interesting. But, but yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. So yeah, continue. Sorry. No, I, I had finished. I was just waiting for you to comment. Gotcha. Said, yeah. So that's the sort of history. And why these different names that comes from, um, from the European names. And uh, we became, a, uh, in, in my state, uh, Kerala, there are 21 states. We have the highest number because the southernmost state. Uh, we have about 30% Christians, mm -hmm. but for all India. So I wanted to do something um, when I have been successful um, and blessed. I wanted to do something for um, the faith as well as for the poor people. So that's why I started my foundation and the primary focus is to 
have orphan children uh, and raise them in a Christian environment, and also cancer patients supporting uh, churches and, and uh, monasteries and, and uh, convents. So we have eight centers uh, now, um, the, either for the prayer centers, children's centers, family centers, is based on the foundation branding, the Lenny Peters Foundation. So we opened another one in Africa this year uh, in Johannesburg. So um, we are, it, it is a very um, uh, um, I would say um, faith-based way of uh, helping people. We don't uh, go and um, you know uh, talk about um, changing religion, but we take an approach. For example, we take um, all types of children into the orphanage. They're Hindus or Muslims, but we raise them in a Christian environment, and 100% of them become Christians. Uh, but we don't. I, we give them an opportunity to choose a religion when they are 18 years old. But that's also. Um, because of the government laws, we cannot convert Christians uh, underage uh, children into Christianity. You have to be an adult. And it is, it is difficult. So if you want to talk about uh, how, um, you know, how do we operate? It's a big country. I see a major opportunity uh, for our faith. It's 1.3 billion people. So but it has to be done in the right reason. And I'll stop there and see what your thoughts are. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just going to, yeah, like after you gave that, I, I definitely agree. It's difficult. There are, you know, as you said, there's laws against converting. So you have to kind of work um, around that. So one thing I was, I was going to say is that kind of leads into one question about, well, what is your kind of general advice for doing effective mission missions work for people in, various cultures, you know, you, you, not just in India, but you've been to Africa and had some success there and that sort of thing. So what's maybe some sort of general advice that you would give to doing effective missions when we're dealing with diverse people? You know, what, what are some of the different strategies that seem to work best with um, non-Western type cultures and that sort of thing? Yeah. So what worked for us is that we took a um, general approach to helping people. Um, so, but um, either it's a, a group of patients that need help, um, and we also use existing infrastructure, such as the um, archbishop and um, various priests and churches and nuns and Protestant uh, pastors they're already there and they are Indians. They look Indians, they are Indians, they can speak the local language. They are embedded in the community. So if we work through them, there is a less uh, resistance. Um, and we, we definitely need to follow the laws because we don't want to get, get uh, into being doing anything illegal. But there is a lot of uh, room to operate. And what we found is that um, if the, the um, and a model that uh, Mother Teresa used was to start with people who had leprosy, but then she went on to do uh, children's homes. But at the end, end of all that, she had 550 homes. And my team asked me, you know, where are we going to go? I said, she also started with one, one center and we are not up to eight centers and we'll continue to grow depending on what God's plans are. So um, the idea would be to work with existing groups. Um, I can see when we send a European looking or a Caucasian person there, right off the bat, um, it is, there's a suspicion because of the history of colonialism in India, what the British did there and so on. 
there is suspicion, there's a lot more resistance. So I myself, although everyone knows an American citizen and you know the best American I can be, um, I stay in the background. Um, and I have used a lot of people uh, uh, as workers, volunteers, and we have a team of people go to small villages every day and find people who are terminally ill and help them and we pray with them. We have people who go and pray with them. So that sort of changes their mind and see the goodness in our faith. And uh, the conversion rate is very high. As I said, the almost 100% become Christians. One in 10 become homegrown missionaries. Wow, that's awesome. Um, that's the strategy. One thing, uh, this, so this isn't on the list of questions, but I'm, I'm interested because you are a medical doctor. Um, so I have a friend named Caleb uh, Jackson who's kind of researching about miracle healings and, and around the, from around the world. I'm just wondering, um, when you're doing your missions work and healing, do you have, have you encountered any uh, types of healings that you think might be miraculous or, or is it all fit within the naturalistic framework? Um, um, we pray with them. You know, I am a, a very faith-based uh, um, doctor. I have six degrees after my MD. Mm -hmm. I still believe in God. Uh, I am one of those people who uh, embroidered on my white jacket, I treat, God heals. The healing comes from God uh, or from another source. But we have to use the knowledge we have to treat patients, whether through prescription or procedures or surgery. So we still use the medical knowledge we have to treat patients. We do not use any other forms of um, healing methodology that, you know, some of the uh, uh, other folks have or used, especially in Hinduism. But we pray. We pray with the patients and give them medicines and we give them money to go get medicine, so to go see the doctor. So it's still modern medicine. Um, the same medical books are taught in me Indian medical schools as it is in the United States. That's a pretty big, we still have the Grace Anatomy book. The anatomy book we study is the same as here. And so that's why it's, it's, it is so easy for an Indian doctor to come here and get assimilated in the system as we study the same books and so on. So we use the same methodology, but we balance it with, uh, with prayer. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, and I, I fully agree with you. I think they're absolutely right. Even back in the ancient world, God doesn't want us to use some like superstitious thing. No, he wants us to take, take advantage of modern medical knowledge and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, right on you for, for saying that. Um, just, and just to clarify, so in your, from your experience, um, like you've never seen any, um, what you would consider medically inexplicable healing. So like, I know that people like Dr. Gary Habermas, for example, who's a friend of mine, he, he appeals to like double blind prayer experiments and stuff like that. Um, anything like that on your end or nothing? No, I have not. I cannot say that I have firsthand knowledge about it. I have heard that there are some um, healing that takes place which cannot be explained easily. Uh, but we also do not have the diagnostic ability to find out what exactly happened. Gotcha. So um, I have not in my life there or in Africa or in United Kingdom, I have not firsthand experienced that, but I, I did hear about them. Perfect. Fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. All right. Well, with that said, um, we've been avoiding the main reason that um, you're here is, is you've written a new book. So do you want to maybe take us through a little bit? Um, what is your new book about? Why, why did you feel compelled to write, to write this book of yours about your experience and everything? Yeah, so um, well, I, I wanted to write the book for many reasons. One is that I have uh, experience in four continents and I want to share that with 
um, the folks from, from now and going forward. Uh, I also want to um, share my, uh, my religious and my faith, uh, my experiences, uh, how a very poor young person with no means and um, no running water or electricity can come up to be, um, to be with the um, last three presidents or four presidents of the United States. Um, and so that's sort of the story that I wanted to say. Number two is that, it, no, I, I have not met anyone who can change yesterday. I don't know of anyone who can accurately predict, predict tomorrow. But so what we have is today. So there is so much animosity in our country now. We are so polarized. We're not looking at the good part, good side of things. We are looking to find out what are the differences. We, instead of trying to live in the past, let's look at today and let's look at tomorrow and see how we can make tomorrow a better day for us and our children. We all have the same ambitions. We don't, we wake up in the morning, go brush our teeth and look in the mirror. We don't ask which political party we are. Or we all say, okay, what is for breakfast? How do I get my children to school? So I wanted to bring some, some people together. I wanted me to be an example of that. I have experienced um, prejudice in every continent. You know, even in Africa, in Nigeria, I was not black enough. So I was prejudiced. In Europe, of course, I was too dark. Here I was a foreigner speaking English with an accent. And in the South, I had a lot of prejudice. But I can go back and I said, okay, this is what I experienced, but let's go back and look what my forefathers had experienced in India. So there were 15,000 Indians. This is all in my book that's called Barefoot to Benefactor, coming out in Amazon. Um, it's ready for pre-order. If you just go to Amazon and put in Barefoot to Benefactor, will come Dr. Lenny Peters. So 15,000 Indians against one British soldier. Yet the British took over the country. So I wanted to know, I was very troubled during my, my uh, teenage years, why that happened. I could have taken two courses. I could have get very angry at the British for what they did, or I could look at their better side. What did they do good? They put railway from north to south, east to west, gave us the international language. That's why I could write a book in English and I could practice medicine seamlessly in this country. So if you look at those good parts, I said, I wanna know who these people are. I wanna go be with them. I wanna be like them instead of hating them. So I did my best effort to go to United Kingdom. I didn't know anyone there. I needed a sponsor. I had no money to buy a ticket. So it, one day a, a distant friend of mine said, I know you're very troubled because you wanna to go to London. Um, my father is a, uh, is a ticket collector in British Rail and I will ask him, he will sponsor you. He's a very poor man. So he made that happen. He sent me sponsorship and sent me 100 pounds in cash to send, spend on my trip. Then I, I had a Soviet made a motorbike, I sold it, and I also borrowed from my family and friends another thousand dollars. And with the money I had, I bought a ticket and I arrived in London, Heathrow Airport. This man I never met comes with a, a blanket and put around me to keep me warm. And he said, Lenny, this is Heathrow Airport. This is uh, West London. This is where the rich people live. One day you will live here. But today we are going to East London where all the poor people live. So we go to his home, there's five men there, there's five rooms, each one has one room, and he has a stove in his room to cook fish and chicken, uh, sorry, rice and chicken. So he said, we have one bed, you sleep on the bed, I sleep on the floor, and he cooks some rice and chicken. That is my first day in London. So, Another reason I wanted to write this book is that there are angels like him all around. They don't have wings. 
but we need to open our eyes and soul to see them. So I have described many angels like that in this book. I, first I wrote the book and I put the title as Angels in My Life. But then the publishers and others and others said, you know, let's just change it a little differently. And that's how we came with Barefoot to Benefactor. So I can go on uh, chapter by chapter to show there are angels around us. But sometimes we are so angry that we don't look, we don't open our eyes and soul to find them because they are around us. So from that moment, I had to take an exam in two weeks to get licensed there, I did. And um, I, I was able to stay in London, work, and I found, I met many good British people. One of those British people, Sir Gray, he was a knighted person in the, royal, in the royalty. Um, and he had three hospitals. And I became his number one man to look after his hospitals. So he has a home outside London, a palace. My, his gift to me for taking care of all his um, hospitals and patients, I have 50 other doctors work under me. This is a few years later. I, I, from day one, sleeping in a one room to when I left London, I was in charge of all these hospitals, I have two degrees from London uh, and Dublin, member of the Royal College of Physicians. And I was his number one person, Sir Gray. So his gift to me was to play croquet every Sunday at his house, at his palace outside of London and have dinner with a bunch of other royalties. So for a young man was um, born in a home in a little hut without running water and electricity, when I left London, I was playing croquet and having dinner with the royalty. Wow. So that's the story that we need to say. How does that come? Because using the power of forgiveness. So if we can forget a few things and say, I forgive, let's look at tomorrow. I could have been very angry at British people, but I wasn't. I took the other approach. I wanted to be like them. How did they do this? One person against 15,000 people. They changed their minds. They make, made us fight against each other. Then I even question, is Indians inherently weak? Is our genes wrong? No, look at uh, Microsoft CEO. It's an Indian guy. Google CEO, Indian guy. So we are very blessed. We are highly intelligent group of uh, uh, people. You know, you go to many hospitals, a lot of them are Indian doctors. 38% of all foreign graduates are Indians uh, working in the United States. So there was no deficiency in us. We just have to find those good people. And I can go when I came to the United Kingdom, the same, to the United States, it's the same way. People come from nowhere and be an angel to help. So that I think is because of the faith, the Christian faith that I am so firm on, I'm grounded on, gives me that opportunity to do it. So I, that's another big reason I wanted to write this book because you can come from, it's not where you come from, it's where you're going. We say that all the time, but we need to have examples. You know, I could have been much, much wealthier person, uh, but I chose not to be, I'm not driven by the vast amount of wealth. I'm driven by what wealth can do. Uh, you know, I'm, I have seven companies I run. Um, you know, we are the largest minority owned business in the state. Um, but that's not what I'm driven by. I'm driven by what this wealth can do because we are only custodians of wealth for a period of time. Yeah, Egyptian kings tried to take money with them, putting their gold and jewelry in their casket when they were dead. 
They thought in the next life, they will be prosperous. 4,000 years later, we opened the caskets. That jewelry and gold is still there. They couldn't take it. So we cannot either. I'll stop there and see where else you'd like me to go. Yeah, the, the one thing, so one thing that you brought up is, is you kind of mentioned about your need to forgive. And obviously one of the great things about Christianity is we are expected to love our enemies. You know, don't repay an eye for an eye and that sort of thing. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, because even myself, I, you know, there are some skeptics where I kind of struggle myself to truly forgive um, the wrongs that are done. So like, I'm, I'm just sort of wondering when, when someone, a Christian is experiencing some sort of deep seated, you know, very um, bad sins against them and they almost have a deep seated anger within them. Like, how do you forgive um, people, your enemies when they're totally unrepentant and stuff like that? Like, how did you overcome your, your anger and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think very good question. I always say, you know, never give up. There is always a back door. Uh, that's the last sentence in my book. Um, so even when we are faced with people who are uh, who have done a lot of bad things, it is not to forget. I think we need to remember. And I, I did um, write those things in the book so that it's not forgotten. Yes, those things happen. In spite of that, I did feel prejudice in the South in the United States, pretty bad, but that's, that's there. But in spite of that, what are choices what we have? We can have, be angry for the rest of our lives, or we can, the forgiveness doesn't come easy. It is not at all. Uh, we will have relapses. Wow. We may forgive for a period of time, and then that comes, we are human. Those emotions will come back. So persistence at it and continue to work at it and find some of those good people in this population that we feel that hurt us. Um, like in the South here, there are many, you know, I, I, 35 years ago, it was not very easy uh, for me. But I, I found this one real Southern gentleman and he was Dr. Hampton Childs. He came from Mayo Clinic, he had the best practice in the area. All the rich people went to him. So I, spent, I couldn't get a job because of, you know, being a minority in the area and I, I was determined to stay here. I could have gone to San Diego or Tampa, Florida, better accepted as a, as a minority. But I said, no, I am not leaving, I'll stay here. So I sent 100 letters to different doctors to buy a practice, and he responded. Because of my name, he thought I would be a, a Caucasian person, Lenny Pierce. So when I walked in to meet him, he almost fell off the chair, but he recovered and he said, Lenny, come sit down and talk to me. So I told him my story. And he said, if I ever sell the practice, I'll only sell it to you. Give me one week. And one week later, he called me back and said, I'm ready. So he sold to me, the whole practice. And he said, I'll work for you day one. You will be my boss. Um, I have done everything I want to do. You take over, the, I'll work for you as long as you want me to. What a beautiful man. And he works harder than ever for me and helped me build my practice. And then I took it from one provider now to 65 providers. So that is an example of how if we keep looking, we will find people who would inspire us to forgive more. So the forgiveness not is an easy, first part is an easy process. It is incremental. There will be relapses and we have to find people who will reinforce it within us, our desire to forgive, like these angels without wings. And I'll stop there. So that's how I, I think, and it, it's not an easy process. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, thanks for, for giving your take on that because it, like you said, it's, it's, it's a long-term process. You need to work at it and, and that sort of thing. It's not like, oh, you can instantly forgive. You need to, to work, work at it, especially when it's kind of really egregious sins and stuff. So, so yeah, I think well said on that front.
Um, all right, so I want to turn at this point to kind of more of an analysis of the religion of Hinduism. Um, so in the first place, what what is Hinduism? Um, you know, obviously you grew up as a Catholic minority in, in, in India there. Um, but what is Hinduism? What are some of the essential core doctrines and, and practices and beliefs? Um, is there just one thing that is Hinduism or is it a diversity of things? And, and then finish off, what are some of the similarities versus differences between Hinduism and Christian belief? I think uh, Hinduism is uh, very um, old uh, religion based on um, not based on living God. They're mythological gods. They're powerful gods. Mainly there are four. And they're not a, a uniform uh, faith like the Christian faith is we have Jesus um, as the main um, focus. But there are so many varieties of Hinduism that common thread is to, to look at the gods um, coming together. But if you go to different parts of India, they all have different uh, types of uh, temples, different gods and, uh, and, and so on. Um, but it, it is uh, also uh, a, a faith that's based on mind over matter. And that's probably one of the reasons that held back India, uh, because the, the faith was also dictating that um, your destiny is pretty much decided when you are born, and you can change that very little. Um, because of the stars that are lined up. And so people sort of not was, uh, people were not so aggressive in uh, pursuing their uh, dreams and, and, and so on. Um, and so it's sort of a quiet um, faith that doesn't drive people to do uh, amazing things for a long time. Um, you know, as opposed to the, the Christian faith that, you know, the, the British, for example, they just needed to get out of their island. So they had to find a way of um, sailing and they became good sailors. Uh, but the Indian, the Hinduism um, sort of kept them, kept us behind um, in, in, in many ways, um, was not based on you know, taking aggressive policies uh, to to further our destiny. So that's sort of the main uh, part of uh, the Hinduism as opposed to Christianity. I think there are ways that people find uh, there's more uniformity, there is clarity of uh, faith, God, God's son, Jesus, what Jesus did for our sins and so on. So that's sort of the difference. Gotcha. All right. Um, now, what what do you make in terms of obviously you're engaged in missionary work, but going back to you know the people that kind of appeal to intellectuals, um, what do you see as some some of the differences between the evidences that Christians give in favor of saying Christianity is true versus Hinduism, like what are some of the positive evidences they might appeal to to say that Hinduism is actually true? Um, the say that again. You were asking. Uh, uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just wondering, like, if if so, if I if I'm a neutral guy and and um, a Hindu comes up to me and says, "Hey, you should become a Hindu. It's true." what are some of the positive evidences they might appeal to in that front? And how does that compare with, you know, Christians who, Christian evidence? Yeah, I, I think they would um, appeal to say that the Hindu faith has been around for a long time and it has a, a more peaceful um, uh, faith. Um, 
and um, you know they would appeal to the uh, to to the mind, you know the yoga, the meditation, and all of those things that we have created. The Indians have um, that would make you a better person than building a hundred-story building. So that would appeal to some folks and say, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, we can't take anything with us. So why not we do something good for everyone or good something for ourselves? Uh, why so much in a hurry? Uh, why this desire to accumulate wealth? So that would appeal to some folks. But it's changing in India. It's interesting that I've been watching. I think we are more and more um, changing towards the technology and, and uh, what the West has done. So um, there is no more arranged um, in India, for example. Arranged marriage was a common practice. Now it's less and less. So it is. I do think that Indians are moving towards more modern way of thinking. So uh, if some, to a small segment of population, they can appeal to say, well, this may be a, a more peaceful way uh, to live. Gotcha. So I'll stop. Okay. And, and what do you think on the other side, like the best evidence is for, for Christianity? How does that sort of compare? On that. Yeah, the best evidence for Christianity, um, we have been able to um, further ourselves as, as Christians um, have we, we have done some things that we could have done better in the past? I think yes. We may have used Christianity uh, as a reason to do some things that we could have avoided doing. Uh, but that's, that's in the past. Um, but it sort of gives an organized process for um, people to have faith. Uh, there is some, some principles involved. Uh, it is not, uh, you know, as opposed to Hinduism that is so diverse and there's there's no uh, you know structure to it I think Christianity is more structured that is in a way it, it's good for people to understand and, and believe in um, and um, I think if I were to um, tell someone about Christianity I would I would start with saying you know this is uh, what Jesus did um, you know, he gave his life for us. And so I, I can't say that to someone uh, to promote Hinduism. Gotcha. All right. Um, and one last quick follow up on this. So I'm not sure if you, you, how familiar you are, but, you know, with things like Christian apologetics. So some people will appeal to, well, we, we can provide historical evidence that shows Jesus rose from the dead. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, those types of apologetics arguments. So I'm just sort of curious if, if you're aware of that in Christianity, is there anything like that on the Hindu side in favor of Hinduism apologetics, so to speak, or? Um, no, there isn't. They, they are fully engaged in all the beliefs they have in. Mm -hmm. um, they do believe in the strength of the mythological gods. And I don't think that as a negative thing. And I think if we all have some good faith, um, then that's a better situation to have no faith at all. So I don't fault them for it. Um, but they're, they were able to consolidate their thought process and um, make that into a political party and, and have a, a, a Hindu party rule the country now the last eight, 10 years that never happened before sure all right awesome um all right so 
Uh, looking at the opposite side, um, sort of negative evidences, what, what do you think are some of the main reasons people shouldn't uh, believe in Hinduism? And how does that compare to reasons that skeptics of Christianity might give to try and falsify that? Um, I don't know. I can say to someone, you shouldn't be a, 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 should not be a Hindu. I would prefer not. I think Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi once said, I, I wrote that in the book, and he's a Hindu, he's a devout Hindu, but he said, a Hindu should always try to be a better Hindu. A Muslim should try to be a better Muslim, and a, a Christian should try to be a better Christian. In that, we will all win together. So I think it is okay to say that, but uh, I look at it and say, we're all, um, this is the faith that I know. This is the faith that I was raised in, and I have firm belief in it. So I can give my example and, and the example of many others that have helped me based on my faith um, as, an, as a reason for others to look at Christianity. Um, and I wouldn't want to say, don't be a, a, a Hindu, that that would not be too Christian either. So um, I, I think there's a lot of good things in Christianity that we can talk about and, uh, and, and show we, you know, what uh, Mother Teresa has done. You know, show those good examples. When no one wanted to help those people, why didn't a group of Hindus come and help their own people. Why did why did we do this in the name of Jesus? Um, so those are good things that we can talk about, and there are many others who have done so many good things. Um, so I'll stop there. All right, cool. Um, all right, so I, I do have a couple quick follow-ups uh, questions. So this is question ten. It's just kind of other issues. So. Um, I asked you before about good strategies for missionary work in terms of, you know, non-Western other cultures and that sort of thing. Um, and you kind of mentioned certain strategies that you take that you find work. Um, are there any strategies that you find don't work with particular things that we should know about? Yeah, I think more and more um, I, it becomes clear that if we send um from here, for example, I, I see this pattern sometimes. A church would say, okay, let's raise money and send two young um, Caucasian people come out of college to go to um, South, South India and do missionary work. I think it's a less productive for the time, energy, and effort that we put into to do that, if you did that, the conversion rate because it is a Herculean task for that person to understand the culture, right? From the very start, they have resisted, they'll be resisted. They would be, people would be suspicious of them. I think that is a, if I have to speak to uh, our group's uh, evangelist, that would be something I would point out. I think it's a better way to find locals and support them. And I can see that the same strategy that works in Africa, that works in India. Um, so, you know, because of our background, uh, because a lot of political things happen, when you say I'm from America to young people um, going to say Thailand or India, it is a difficult process, difficult challenge. Um, you know, I have all these centers there. I get a lot of requests from uh, people from the United States, um, white and others want to, want to volunteer. My difficulty is that I, I now then be responsible for their safety. Um, so that's one issue. And their illnesses that they can catch because uh, locals are already immune to various gastroenteritis and other food poisoning stuff and other bacteria there. And these folks go there can get pretty ill. So that's the second issue. Third, how do I then help them spread the word of God? So the strategy, I think going forward, we need to continue to look at it closely. Um, I find that my 
uh, cost of uh, doing charity work is much low per person than if we were to support someone and send there. So, um, and it is it's not that difficult. We can find uh, in any part of uh, the world, but India is a, a large country. Why go to a place when there's 10,000 people or 10 million people? We have 1.3 billion people. Um, so, and there's enough reasons why people will look at Christianity. So my approach would be to, to look at something like that. Um, you know, in all 100% of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds of my book goes to orphan children and cancer patients. So if you think about it, this is a book, it's $28 on Amazon. You know, the pro proceeds from that goes to 100% go to charity. I, I'm not taking anything. Now, all the expenses involved in producing the book, I paid personally. Um, and I wanted to do that as an example, because we don't want to write a book to make money. Um, so this is to help others. So if someone placed an order for barefoot to benefactor on Amazon or Barnes and Noble online, um, then all of that goes to helping this process. And that also helps um, orphan children become Christians and many others. So I think that's the best strategy. I, I, I am, I'm not saying I am the only channel. There are many, many channels. But if anyone wants to make a most cost-effective contribution towards uh, helping Christianity or helping spread Christianity around the world, LennyPetersFoundation.org is a good website to go to. And you can also donate there. There's a in the middle of the uh, opening page, there's a donate button. And it's a 501c3 um, completely um, tax-exempted uh, tax charitable organization that has been around for close to uh, 15 years. Awesome, awesome. Yep, and, I, and I'm gonna put up the links to, to your book as well. So if people uh, in the audience, you can click on that and uh, go ahead and support Lenny there. Um, I have one last question. Is that, is that okay or? Yes. Yep. All right, cool. So the last follow-up question. Um, so we, we've kind of focused primarily on Hinduism. Obviously, that's the majority religion in India. Uh, but there are other religions that are, you know, there's Jainism or Sikhism. So just as kind of a general question um, to you, how do, how do your strategies differ compared from Hinduism to uh, dealing with a Jain or a Sikh or something like that? Um, or is it just all the same? Uh, Jains and Sikhs are still a minority. And so uh, from a, an economic perspective or from growing up, they were not a threat. They were just like us, a minority. Um, but their faith is somewhat different. Um, but nothing close to closer closer to to Hinduism than to Christianity. So, and there are only pockets of them in India. Gotcha. The, yeah, I, I think they are um, somewhat different. Their temples are different. Their faith is different. Uh, has not been able to uh, to um, to enlarge their or increase their uh, faith base uh, for many centuries. Gotcha. The one of the important part is uh, is Buddhism. You know, Lord Buddha. Again, same thing happened to Buddhism as happened to Christianity, because Buddhism said talked about philosophy, ideology, how to make a person happy, how to make others happy. And common man didn't want to hear any of this. He just wants to know how the God is going to help me. Give me food and water. Um, help me build my village. Yeah. So Buddhism never went anywhere at that much in, in India. However, uh, to the further east, there was a vacuum of faith. So they were able to pick that up pretty easily. And we still make a joke that... Um, Lord 
um, Buddha is an Indian man. Don't forget that. So. <laughs> awesome. All right, perfect. Well, well, yeah, that, that wraps it up for my list of questions. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for, for asking to come on and, and share your knowledge about um, Hinduism and, and your missionary work and that sort of thing. I, I hope on your end you, you had a good time or anything we, I missed out. No, I think you had a very, very uh, sound and excellent questions. Uh, I enjoyed talking with you. Um, I, I think um, I, I, I want to emphasize that anyone can go to um, the LennyPetersFoundation.org that we do good work uh, for our faith around the country. We are growing, expanding. And this book is a part of it, uh, Barefoot to Benefactor. Uh, is, you can order from uh, our website also, LennyPetersFoundation.org. Uh, and front page you can order, uh, or Amazon. Uh, it's ready for pre-order. I uh, appreciate all your help, and uh, we can continue to do God's work. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Awesome. So yeah, thanks uh, to the audience. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh, next week, next time I have, uh, I'm doing my show, Theo Geeks podcast with David Russell, and we're going to be tackling the biblical book of Genesis and how to interpret chapter one. So look out for that next time, but otherwise have a, have a great week, everybody. All right. Take care. Thank you, Dale. Bye-bye.